The power of speech is an ability not shared with the rest of creation. With the exception of the viper in the Garden of Eden and the donkey on which Balaam rode to meet Barak, no other of God's creation have the ability to communicate so extensively as the human being. It's a facility that can be used for the good of all, but sadly also one that can be exercised with malicious intent. It is regrettably used by many in these days to utter foul words and blasphemy against the God in heaven. The psalmist has spoken wisely, warning us of such people. In Psalm 5 verse 8 we read these words, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth, their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulchre. They flatter with their tongue. Later in this psalm, uh, chapter 10, verse 6, he writes this. He had said in his heart, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. His mouth is full of cursing and deceit and fraud. Under his tongue is mischief and vanity. Mankind hasn't changed since those days. The danger for us, however, is that it's so easy to allow our speech to be influenced by the practice of those about us. There was a warning for us in the words of Jesus when he said, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Luke 8, 18. Aaron and his sons had the blood of consecration put on the tip of their ears, and we need to do the same thing. The command not to take the name of God in vain has disappeared from the thinking of the vast majority of the population, and swearing is no longer confined to the indelicate, but falls from the lips of young and old alike, male or female, educated and those lacking in finesse. Even the once dependable BBC television programmes can no longer be relied upon to delete from any of their transmissions unseemly words previously covered by a bleep. Plays and soaps alike constantly defile the otherwise beautiful English language. It behoves us to ensure that our vocabulary is not tainted by the perverse use of such words. So we turn for a warning from the lips of the Apostle James, who said, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. James 1.26 This is a terrible indictment and one which we should endeavour at all times to avoid. Nevertheless, sadly, we have to admit that James was right when he wrote in chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. And then he describes what our aim should be when he says, If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. This may be a very high ideal, for the tongue can be an unruly member. Even one of the greatest of God's servants sinned in this respect, as we know from the comment made by the psalmist regarding the waywardness of the children of Israel in the wilderness. We read this in Psalm 106 and verse 32. Speaking of Moses, we read, They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit so that he spake inadvisedly with his lips. As a result, Moses was only allowed to see, but not enter the promised land. Heeding this incident should make us very careful how we respond when under any form of pressure or duress.
Our reading from the pen of Solomon today, the Proverbs chapter 25, helps us by giving us wise counsel to observe and practice. In verse 11, we read these words. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. The preciousness of good language could not be better expressed. How necessary it is that our words should be adequately should adequately convey the love which we have for the scriptures of truth. No unseemly words should pass our lips, just as David has written, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Psalm 34, 13. Our Lord has given us strong warning in this respect too. We read of this in Matthew 12, verse 36. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Speech is a wonderful gift and must be treated as such. The means of communication must not be abused or debased by those who aspire to the higher things of God. Let us take to ourselves the advice of the Apostle Paul when writing to the Ecclesia at Ephesus. Chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. The touchstone of the true disciple of the Lord is in the grace with which they speak. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. Proverbs sixteen thirteen. We're powerfully warned by the Apostle James regarding the indiscreet use of the tongue. Writing in his epistle, chapter 3, verse 5, we read these words. Even so, the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell, for every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. This is a severe denunciation, but nevertheless patently true of the vast majority of people today. There is another warning for us. On a couple of occasions, the Apostle Paul has warned regarding what he calls busybodies. One such occasion is in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 5, verse 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. Whilst none of us can be thought of as idle, we can nevertheless so easily indulge in empty conversation, frivolities and delving into other people's business. The wise man Solomon has given us sound advice when he wrote this, He that goeth about as a tale-bearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Proverbs 20 verse 19. Let us ensure that the separateness instilled into us by our love of the truth is accompanied by our distancing ourselves from such untoward practices. In Proverbs chapter 26, we will read these words. Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no tale-bearer, the strife ceaseth. 
Proverbs 26, verse 20. How easy it is to give offence when speaking of another's business. The advice that the wise man has given is timely for all of us. There is a positive note to which we can apply ourselves. The quality of our speech should reflect the belief that we have. Much joy and encouragement can come from speech cultured by the word. Solomon has recorded for us wise counsel in this respect. Proverbs 15 verse 23 A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, how good it is. There is little doubt that the exercise of oneself in goodly words and advice is rewarding to the soul. Solomon again writes, this time in Proverbs 12, verse 14, A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth, and the recompense of a man's hands shall be rendered unto him. Good speech can also have a persuasive power when used wisely, but there are occasions when it becomes necessary to offer rebuke, where the recipient has strayed from the right path. Counsel given on such occasions, when tempered with humility by the knowledge that one is also liable to err, can be uplifting and strengthening to the recipient. In Proverbs 25, we read in verse 12, As an earring of gold... And an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. Rotherham translates this verse as, A ring of gold and a vessel of precious metal is a wise reprover on a hearing ear. How very important it is, however, that reproof should be offered in the right spirit of humility. The result will then be rewarding for both parties. Again, we read from Solomon, Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth a right answer. Proverbs 24, verse 26. Let us always remember in this respect the advice given by Solomon in Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A quiet reproof is more likely to get an acceptable result than an angry retort, and words presented with patience can achieve the desirable result. Thus has Solomon written, By long forbearing is a prince persuaded, and a soft tongue breaketh the bone. Right answers are not restricted to reproof, but can well be the response to genuine inquiry. There can be no finer exercise for the tongue than meditating together on the things that concern the promises of God. We have the wonderful example of the prophet Isaiah's words, which are an inspiration to us all as we contemplate the second coming of the Lord and the kingdom of our God. Speaking of his mission in life, he writes in chapter 50, verse 4, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary, he wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. Oh, that we could all emulate those words, and that all our speech was seasoned by the salt of the word of our God. When we view, through the eyes of the Apostle John in Revelation, the sight of the glorified and triumphant saints of the Most High, we read that in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Revelation 14 verse 5. This vision of the chosen ones should be a stimulus to us for higher things. Let us then keep in mind the advice of the psalmist which we quoted earlier. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. 
In this we shall be emulating the example of the Lord, whom we serve, and whom we are to remember together today. For of him it is written that he did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. 1 Peter 2 verse 22. Let us then today, as we remember him, seek forgiveness wherein we may have erred in the past, and renew our endeavour to follow the pattern of his life. Let us enshrine on our hearts the words of David in Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness, and he that speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbour, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbour. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. To that we say, Amen. So be it, Lord.